Well, um, my name is Mandy Bagdanoff, and it is my pleasure and privilege to be here this morning to share what the Lord is teaching me through the book of Isaiah. And uh, let me just share a little bit about um, myself. I am married to Leonard, and we've been married, we'll be celebrating five years in August, which is really fun for us. And we have a sweet, sweet, sweet daughter, Hope, who just turned three. So um, that's, that's just really probably all you need to know. That's, that's where we are. I won't share any discipline stories or anything like that. Sometimes I do. So uh, anyway, but it is my pleasure and privilege to be here. I know that a lot of you all, um, when you looked at, we asked you to do two lessons. So 24 through 27 and 28 through 31. And so a big, a big chunk of stuff. But what I really do want to share with you all today is there is so much hope in the midst of this judgment. And this is, you know, bottom line, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about judgment. And yet, as you read, I pray that as you read, and I'm really going to encourage you guys to go home and read those chapters without anything, without answering a question, without writing anything down, and just allow God's Word to, to really shower you with His love and His character. Because that's what's so, to me, that's what's so obvious about these chapters. I do want to start with a story though, um, and it happened a long time ago. It happened in 1912, so almost 100 years ago. And there was, and, and you guys are going to recognize this story, um, but there was this phenomenal, phenomenal ship. And everybody thought this was the world's greatest ship around, and nothing ever was going to happen to the ship. Nothing, n nothing could do, it could do no wrong. It was awesome. And so, um, 2,228 people got on this ship to experience life, to have fun with their loved ones, with their families, with maybe whoever they were going to meet there, etc. And, and this is the story of the sinking of the Titanic. A huge, awesome ship starts off for a voyage and ends up sinking, something that wasn't supposed to sink, sunk. And the reason it sunk, which the accident report unfortunately reveals, is that it didn't heed the warnings early enough. It didn't heed the warnings early enough. So survivors, 705. Less than a third, less than a third people got on a lifeboat and got out of a sinking, destroyed ship. And we'll talk about that later, but I want that picture to be in your mind about the consequences of not heeding warnings. Okay, so let's start. We're going to start with chapter 24, and <clears throat> I'm not going to, I'm not going to apologize for the simplicity of my slides. <laughs> But there's just not a lot to them. There's just not. But I'm okay with that because I'm te technologically challenged, as we all know. Well, you don't know, but some of you do. 
Um, so, but here we are, we're in the climax. Antoinette so beautifully spoke about last week, the th chapters 13 through 23 about the woes. And we're gonna talk a little bit about woes in 28 through 31, but right now we're talking about the climax of those woes. And basically gang, it is total destruction. It is total destruction of the earth. Verse 5 says it this way, of the why behind the destruction. The earth suffers for the sins of its people, for they have twisted the instructions of God. They have violated His laws and broken His everlasting covenant. So basically, that's all of us. That's all of us. At one time or another, we're included in the destruction of the earth. And again, 24 and a lot of 24 through 27, you'll read a phrase in, in my um, version, I think it's in that day, in that day, in that day. That's future, that's future, that's Isaiah prophesying, prophesying God telling him what's going to happen in the future, okay? This is what's gonna happen in the future. It's imminent, it's gonna happen. It's in God's word. God's word is true. Total destruction of the earth is going to happen. And I can say that with a smile because my hope is not in this earth. My hope's not in this earth. And that's where I want you guys to get as we talk about the hope. The hope is not in us and how well we do. The hope is in the future and what God is doing. And so you read about it. You read about the destruction. You read about what's going to happen. I, if, if Isaiah is nothing, he is the greatest, if he's anything, he's the greatest picture painter, isn't he? In these chapters, unbelievable pictures of what he's painting for us. So he goes through, he describes the destruction of the total earth. He describes that and he says, a few will be left my remnant will be left, okay? So he, then he talks about the people that will be saved, the people that know him, that have trusted him, that believe in him, will be saved. But yet, what I want us to see in this chapter specifically is Isaiah 24, 16b. Let's go to what Isaiah says, okay? He says, but my heart is heavy with grief. A little bit of what Antoinette talked about last week. I am discouraged for evil still prevails and treachery is everywhere. What a heart Isaiah has for the people that he's delivering this message to. He would, wouldn't he? He would have to have, because he knows they're not going to respond, a lot of them. He would have to have a great heart. For these people if he was going to continue to get this message and basically but see Isaiah I'm not going to listen to you but his heart is grieved because they haven't heeded the warnings and they continue in evil which is pride a lot of times because we want to go our own way so did so did the Israelites but it doesn't but it doesn't his heart is still grieved, and yet we know his perspective 
knows what is true, and I think that's the tricky balance here, is it for us to be so in tune with the Lord, so in tune with Him that we know what is true, that we know what is coming, but so in tune with Him that we care for the ones that don't know Him, that we care for the ones that don't know Him, that they are so grieved. With the picture that it reminds me of, and stay with me, and you know, I'm from Oklahoma, and so the destruction that happens in Oklahoma is tornadoes, okay? So stay with me here and think about this. When I was in college, I can't remember if this tornado hit before I got there or when I got there, but I lived on the west side of Stillwater. I went to Oklahoma State. I lived on the west side of Stillwater. And on the east side, a horrible tornado had hit. And um, I drove over there to kind of see, because that's kind of what we do. We want to see what has happened. And so I drove over there. And what's amazing, what's amazing about a tornado, and I'm sure earthquakes, those of you who've been to Haiti and seen pictures, et cetera, there can be things that are totally leveled. I mean, I went from one street that was totally leveled to the next street that hadn't been touched. I mean, it was perfectly fine, perfectly fine. And if you can imagine for us, if we're here, we don't know if we'll be here when the total destruction happens, but if we're here and we're okay and someone else isn't, how that's gonna make us feel or how it should make us feel. Yet, our minds and our focus, we know this was coming. As you can see, the remnant in 24 shouts for joy, sings songs and praises to him. Man, it's amazing. This has happened. We knew this was going to happen. God told us it was going to happen. It happened. We are so thankful and so excited because, God, you are true. We have to be careful that we're not thankful because it hasn't happened to us. We have to be so careful. That's the tension. We can't be so thankful because it hasn't happened to us. We have to be so thankful because God is true and God is real and his promises are right and they come to fruition. Does that make sense, that rub? And that's where I get from, from reading 24 of Isaiah. That's where I love his heart for his people. He knows they're going into exile. In fact, it happens very quickly after this. The northern kingdom is destroyed and the southern people go into exile. So he knows what's going to happen. So that's, that's 24. And, and that leads us into, you know, one of the scriptures that I love. It's in 2 Peter 3, 9. It says, the, lo the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. All to come to repentance. And you know, a lot of us may be really struggling with things that are going on circumstantially in our life and we would love for the Lord to come back today. Yet, he is slow because there are people that are still ready for the harvest and that he is looking to us to say, come on, Mandy, get out there. Come on, Mandy, go. Remember what's going to happen. Remember what's going to happen in the future. 
But remember what I want. I don't want any to perish. Okay? So that's 24. And, and we move on to 25, 26, and 27. And 25 and 26 and 27 are just really a beautiful, beautiful devotional picture of the outpouring of our love to God because we know his character. The people of Israel know his character. They know his justice. And that's what this is, you know, the, the judgment. When we know who God is, it's not judgment, it's justice. Because it's his plan. It's his plan. And he's in control. So it's a great picture of God's character, of his justice, of his sovereignty, and really a future picture for us to cling to, too, for us to remember, for our perspectives to be focused on. But one thing I do want to, I love in 26, and that's really what I'm going to do um, throughout these chapters. I'm just really going to point out a couple of verses that are very devotional in nature for you guys to kind of learn with me, if you will. So out of a heart that is so full, Isaiah's remnant. Okay, so let's go back to verse 6. Let me, let me share this with you. So go back to verse 6 and 25, and I'm going to read this to you. It says, In Jerusalem, the Lord Almighty will spread a wonderful feast for everyone around the world. It will be a delicious feast of good food with clear, well-aged wine and choice beef. In that day, he will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever in the, all insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. Okay, future, this is what God's going to do. God's going to do. talks about the greatest of physical eating, choice beef. And but you know, that's kind of funny because we have great food here in Dallas. And so I'm thinking... You know, I love that. I love that we're going to get to do that. But I'm like, eh. But then the next group of scripture, we're emotionally broken. We are emotionally broken people. This side of glory, sisters, we are broken. It does not happen the way we want it to. Can I get an amen? Mm -hmm. So we are emotionally broken people. We are going to be emotionally full people. No tears. Death will be swallowed up. He'll remove all insults and mockery against his land and people. We are going to experience so much of God's fullness. And I love nine. What a proclamation. Our hearts are overflowing with his fullness. This is our God. We trusted in him. He saved us. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let us rejoice in his salvation he brings. For the Lord's good hand will rest on Jerusalem. What a battle cry. What a cheer. What a battle cry and what a cheer from the people. Isn't that awesome? So the filling up with all the best of the best, overflows into our praise. And isn't that what it's supposed to be like today? Filling up and the bubbling up, the overflowing is God's praise, our worship and praise to a great God. Not because of what he's done, but who he is. 
who he is. And that's just, that's just great. And then at the very end, I do want to touch on this because Antoinette talked about it last week, the prideful Moabites. So you've got 25, um, the, the end of 10 and 11 and 12, it talks about Moab will be crushed like trampled straw, left to rot. I mean, gross. And that is pride. Okay, so you've got pride. The consequences of pride is destruction. We heard that from Antoinette last week. It's true. It's happening. And, and that's where I, I just want, I want to talk about a little bit of an application with pride and with what you're going to see through these next couple of chapters is, is your, I want to ask you this question, is your pride hindering you from heeding God's warnings? Do you think you know what's supposed to happen? Is it hindering you? Is your own self hindering you from heeding the warnings? Do you look like the Moabites? Okay, let's move it on to 26. So 26, another praise, worshipful chapter. You know, they're going to sing the song, the walls of the salvation, the gates of the righteous, obedience. You've got one of the great passages in Scripture. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for He is the eternal rock. Just awesome. Just awesome. I mean, just it's just beautiful. Yet the warning... Let's go to the very end of 26. The warning, 21, verse 21, look, the Lord is coming from heaven to punish the people of the earth for their sins. The earth will no longer hide those who have been murdered. They will be brought out for all to see. We know that truth. We know the truth in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. That's what Isaiah's talking about. That's what Paul's talking about in Romans. For the wages of sin is death. It's got to be paid. That's got to be paid. God is a holy God. He can't be in the presence of sin. We are all sinners. Romans 3.23, we are all sinners and fall short of His glory. So here's the picture. Here's the picture the hope, the remnant who he has saved, but the warning for those that are still in sin. Destruction is going to happen. Punishment is going to happen. Okay, let's go to 27. We've got, again, we've got another great picture of praise and worship. And, but I love this. I love in, in the first six verses God turns from a God of justice more. He's got a little more of that edge on him in 25, 24, 25, and 26, and he turns into more of a nurturing God. Look at verse 4. My anger against Israel will be gone. If I find briars and thorns bothering her, I will burn them up. These enemies will be spared only if they surrender and beg for peace and protection. So I want to point out two things here. So God is begun, going to pluck those out, okay? The briars and the thorns bothering her. 
and yet he also he also talks about an opportunity an opportunity for those people that are bothering Israel the enemies that will be spared if they surrender and beg for peace and protection and when I think of surrendering and when I think of begging the humility that goes with those things and where we are in our own lives where we are in our own lives when we feel thorns and we feel briars what's our response what's our response and sometimes we're the thorns and the briars in people's lives absolutely what's our response so for that the warning and the hope is kind of mixed together I see it so the warning that that we're gonna have enemies Israel had enemies and also but God still wants to spare them he wants to give them the opportunity to repent so how do we respond to that? How do we respond when people give us thorns and briars, knowing that God wants them to be spared? How do we respond in those situations? All right, let's pop on to 28. We're going to return to some woes, 28 through 31. 28 through 31. And in this, these woes, 28 through 31, God and Isaiah talk to Israel, okay? And he describes, and in these, in these woes, quickly, the why and the hope, all right? The first one in 28, we've got the woe to the northern kingdom of Israel because of pride and drunkenness, carelessness, laziness, complacency, immaturity, refusal to listen, liars, etc. But in 28... 16 to the end of the chapter you've got the hope and here we go here we go because Isaiah is such a great book because it's the foretelling of Christ and in 2816 here is how I want to rebuild you he says therefore this is what the sovereign Lord says look I am placing a foundation stone a cornerstone in Jerusalem it is a firm, it is firm, attested, and precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never run away again. So coming back from exile, the people, us, how do we build? How do we build? We don't build with pride. We don't build on our own strength. We don't go down to Egypt as it talks about in 30 and 31 and have them help us build. We build on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ and His salvation, and His salvation. I wanna go back to my story about the Titanic. And you know, the people were sinking, the boat was sinking, the people were sinking. How are they gonna be saved? How are they gonna be saved? Really, that whole ship, should have gone down. The whole ship should have gone down. But thankfully, 
You know, there was enough sense when they built ship back in the days, and they still do it. There's, there was lifeboats on the ship. There weren't a ton, but there were some. There were some. There weren't a ton, but there were some. How do you get in a lifeboat today? Those people didn't deserve it. They weren't, uh, I don't think there were, I don't know how many crew members were there. Probably weren't a lot of crew members on those. This crew probably went down with the ship. It was probably more women and children that got on those lifeboats. How, how do we get on the lifeboat today? He tells us right here. Put Jesus Christ as your cornerstone. Build on him. You've got to take that step of faith. They had to take that step of faith and get on the lifeboat. We have to take that step of faith, get out of the destruction, and get onto the lifeboat. So the rest of 623 in Romans for the, not the, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Old Testament, New Testament, the message is the same. He is the cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the only way out of destruction, total destruction. And I'm going to end there because that's, that's all y'all need. That's, that's, that's all you need to know. Um, but I do, I do really, you know, the whole heeding warnings, etc. You know, what is, is pride getting in your way? Is pride getting in your way to that? Or are you like the Israelites with rote religion, looking to someone else for help, looking to Egypt for help with all that? Um, I'm so thankful for you guys. Thanks for listening. It's really been a joy to be up here. That goes really fast. <laughs> I haven't been up here in two years, so thank you all are gracious. Uh, but do do me this favor. Go home. Get your Bibles out. Read 24 through 31. It is a beautiful, beautiful picture of God and receive from him. Listen, he will give you understanding. He is the greatest teacher. And it says that um, in 28, the very end of 28 too. Father, thanks for these women. Thanks for these friends. Lord, teach us. Give us understanding. Help us to listen to you and not to the crazy chaotic world that goes around us, Lord. Father, I do pray that if there's anyone here that does not know you as their cornerstone father, that they would let go of what they're trying to build their lives on. Let go of that and trust you as the foundational cornerstone father. For you give life. You are the lifeboat. You have great things ahead of us, not destruction, but lives of peace. And I see things in your son's name.